Well, hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to see your faces. Good to be with you. If you're new here, just want to welcome you again. We'll try it this way. Merry Christmas. There you go. Merry Christmas. My name is Joe Polino, and I serve as the lead pastor here. Just want to welcome you guys again. Uh, we To start our sermon portions, portion of the message, uh, we've been doing an Advent reading. Uh, and so if you, don't, if you aren't familiar with Advent, uh, Advent is an old church tradition. That means coming or arrival. And so for the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day, we are doing a reading. And so we've done a reading of Christ bringing hope, Christ bringing peace, Christ bringing joy. And then today we have love, love. And to help me read, we have Kevin and Matthew Cho, a good friends here. So here's how this is going to go. I'm going to turn it over to them in a second, but they're going to read a portion as the leader. We're going to light the love candle today. So we're actually going to light all of the candles today as Christmas Eve. We're going to light the candle of hope, peace, joy, love, and even the Christ candle because we're going to represent, we're going to celebrate that as well. But we're going to have, I'm going to ask all of you to stand up. So everyone stand up where they're at. Matt and Kevin are going to lead us. They have a leader portion. There's a slide on the screen where they are going to say that. And then your portion is the congregation. So we're all going to say that out loud. And then remain standing until he's done reading the scripture. You guys ready? Okay, here you go, Kevin. All right. Good morning, church. The love candle. Let's do this. We light this candle, the love candle, remembering the love of God, a love that lifts up the world when Jesus Christ was born. John three sixteen says, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I think there's another verse. <laughs> First John 4, 9-10 also says, Here is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could, have, or we could receive life through him. Here's what love is. It is not that we love God. It is that he loved us and sent his son to give his life to f pay for our sins. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. When I was a kid, I loved Christmas, and I loved Christmas presents. I would count my Christmas presents the, under the tree as we were leading up to Christmas. Anyone else here count their presents to see how many they had? Anyone else compare with their siblings, if you had siblings, who had the most? Okay, so we have a lot of present counters in the room, but I was also a present shaker. So I would try to determine what was inside the wrapped present, and then I would create a hierarchy in my mind of the best and the worst presents, the, clo the clothes boxes that were light, they were at the bottom, right? No, thank you. The ones that looked like a video game console, those are the ones where I was like, oh, please, please let it be 
what I hope it is, what, what I hope this will be. Anyone, anyone else have the, the present shaking? Where you're, okay, we got Riker here. We got, okay, we got some honest people. Y'all are in church now. Okay, let's be honest. But then we had the question, are you a present snooper? I would not do this. I would not do this. I would not look in the garage or your parents' closet. We got a few honest people in the room. I would not do that. But I didn't have to do that because I had a sibling that would go do that and report to me what would happen. So maybe I encouraged her. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. So it's not, it's not confession time for me yet. But here's my question to you. So here's what we're going to do in the message today. I have three questions for you. And this is question number one. Why do we give and receive gifts at Christmas? Why do we give and receive gifts at Christmas? And so if you know the answer or have a thought, shout it out. Why do we give and receive gifts at Christmas? Just shout it out. Don't need to raise your hand. Brings joy. What else? Yes, yes. I hear it. I hear it. Hey, hey, if you're new to church, 90% of the time, the answer to the question is Jesus. So let's all say this together. Why do we give and receive gifts at Christmas? Jesus, Jesus, he really is the reason for the season. Why do we give and receive gifts? And we read that just a second ago. Let's throw up those two verses of John 3, 16 and 1 John 4, 10. It says that for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave gifts. And so Christmas, oftentimes it can be almost to a fault too much in, in, in focusing on the materialism or the gifts, but at the heart of it is a, gener- generos- a generous generosity of spirit. There is something that's good there, and that's because God gave his one and only son. So God the Father gave Jesus, but he didn't only give Jesus. It says in 1 John 4.10, here is what love is. It's not that we love God, it's that he loved us, and he sent his son to give his life to pay for our sins. And so here we see God the Father sending the Son, Jesus, which is why we're here this morning, right? It's because the virgin conceived a bore son and his name was Jesus and he's, his name is Emmanuel, God with us, right? That's why we're here. But that also says that Jesus gave his life for us. Wow, this is what love is. And so I have question number two. Why would God the Father give us the Son and the Son give us his life to pay for our sins? Why would he do that? Who said that? Love. There you go. Way to go. It's love. And we can sometimes just miss this. It's plain right in front of us. So let's read back those first verses again. For God so loved the world, that's why he gave. He didn't have to give. We weren't assigned to him. And it's a secret Santa. He didn't want something from us. We didn't have a, a guilt that we were trying to get rid of by giving a good gift. Like he loves us. He's all powerful. So he didn't need to bow down and to our level. He's all sufficient. He doesn't need anything, but he loves us. And he gave us his son. And then it says, here's what love is. It's that he loved us and he gave us. He gave us his son and Jesus gave us his his life. It's beautiful. So at the heart of Christmas is generosity and it's the love of God. 
Now the love of God or the word love can be a little confusing for us. We went over it this past year as we looked at love one another in a six week series. But as a refresher for us, we use the same word to describe a lot of different things. We say, or I'll just use myself, I love dark chocolate peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's. Y'all know this by now. I've used this example a few times. I really do. I love those. I also love the Texas Rangers. who had a great year, the best year ever for them. I also love my family. I love my wife, Amy, and I love our four kids. Now, you guys are tracking with me on the very, the, the, all those loves are not the same. Can we agree on that? My love for chocolate, my love for a sports team, my love for my family are not on the same playing field. But when we say love, we, we, we need context clues to determine how, to what degree do we love. And Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than he who lays his life down for his friends. So am I gonna, am I gonna lay my life down for dark chocolate? No, I'm not. It's a much lesser type of love. Am I gonna lay my life down? If I'm a huge sports fan, am I gonna lay my life down for my sports team? I'm not. But am I gonna lay my life down for my wife and for my family? Yes, I am because they are the most valuable and precious and, and priceless people in my life. And, and I remind my children of this, especially my uh, six and five-year-old girl as they go to sleep. As we go to sleep, I'll say, why does daddy love you? And they'll say, I don't know. And they'll play along. I'll say, do I love you because you're beautiful? And they'll say, no. I'm like, but you are beautiful. You're right. I don't love you because you're beautiful. Do I love you because you are funny? No, but you are funny. Do I love you because you're smart? And normally I'll try to stop there, but they'll say, do more, do more. Make, make a longer, longer list. And so we'll go through and I say, why does daddy love you then if I don't love you because of all the things that I see in you that are wonderful, but that's not the reason that I love you. And they will say, because you're my daddy. And I say, that's right, because you are my daughter and I am your daddy and I love you and you cannot stop me. And normally they'll say, yes, I can. I'll say, no, I can't. And we'll do like a tickle fight. Like, you cannot stop me. You can't stop me from loving you. I love you as a father loves his children. And this is a picture of the greater love, the agape love that God has for us. The word in this, for God to love the world, is agape. For God agape the world, which is this love that is unrelenting, cannot be stopped. Whether you respond to it or not, it's coming. That is the love of God for us. That's the love of God for us. Greater love is no one than this, than you lay down your life for your friends. And this is the love that God has given us. And so, but on Christmas, I imagine most of you are familiar with John 3, 16. It's probably the most quoted verse in the whole Bible, but it's still a powerful one. But I have trouble. I, here's, I don't have a problem believing that God loves the world but sometimes I have a problem believing that God loves me. Most of us believe God would so love the world like this, but we have a hard time believing that God would so love me. Now I'm, I'm for real with this. I'm not just saying this. There's, man, I would, 
when I was growing up, I didn't like the way that I looked. I didn't like the way that I talked. I was in speech therapy for like five years of my life. I was very shy. I did not like myself. And as I grew up, I kind of grew out of those things. But then it, the external things sometimes remain. You don't like the external parts of yourself. But the deeper parts, they're a little bit more painful. I don't, I don't like that I'm, I'm not even meeting up to my own expectations I don't meet your expectations, God. Like you, nothing's hidden from you. You know my secrets. You know the sin that I have. You know that I'm just, I'm not good enough. Why would you love me? And you might be here this, this morning and here God loves the world, but it's the same as a public service announcement. It's not the heavenly father saying, I love you and you can't stop me. And that is my prayer this morning is that we would get God's grace and his spirit to impress upon us that we are his children and he agapes, not just the world, he agapes you and me. And just as an illustration, uh, have, uh, who remembers, are you still okay to admit this? Kids in the room might, might actually know the answer to this. Your favorite cuddle toy growing up. Maybe it was a blanket. Maybe it was a bunny. Maybe it was a bear. I heard this illustration to help me understand the love of God for me when I don't feel it, is that think about that cuddle toy toy that you had. And our kids kind of have these, uh, one has a lamb, one has a deer, one has a lion. And if they get really attached to it, all of a sudden that deer or that lion or that lamb because a family becomes a family member in our home and it needs to go with us wherever we go or else there's, there's not going to be peace. And I remember, it reminded me of when I was growing up, uh, I'm the oldest of four. And so my younger sibling at the time, Katie, uh, she had her stuffed animal that she loved was a purple dinosaur named Barney. You guys remember Barney? I love you, you love me, something, something, something. I don't know. I don't know the rest of it. But that tune, man, was in my head constantly with my younger sister. And I remember that wherever we went, that purple dinosaur needed to go as well. And this dinosaur was raggedy. It was smelly. It was uh, not washed. It was, but it was really, really dear to my sister and I remember one family trip, we were heading for like an extended weekend vacation to San Antonio. We grew up in Dallas, so we're driving to San Antonio and we realize about halfway in, we cannot find Barney. And so I remember my parents pulled over to the side of the road and we went, turned the car upside down to find this dinosaur as my sister is beginning to lose it and guess what we did halfway to San Antonio? To my disbelief, we turned that car around. We turned the car around and we went back to our house. And we basically missed a whole day of the trip just to get this raggedy purple dinosaur doll. Now this doll, I looked online, it's probably worth uh, around $10 on eBay. If you saw it in a garage sale, I doubt you would be able to get a quarter for it. But 
my sister didn't love this dinosaur because it, had, it was valuable in and of itself. But sometimes agape love, what it can do is it, it's not a sacrificial love that sees value in an object and it says, that's why I love you, but it loves an object and it gives it value instead. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we love things because we see value in it. So we love that thing. But the love of God loves that thing and gives it value. This doll was not worth much to anyone else, but to my sister, it meant the world. It meant that, you know, this smelly, purple, like falling apart little thing was worth turning the car around and going to get. And if you feel like right this morning that the love of God is hard for you to receive, that it feels broad, it feels wide, it does not feel specific, it does not feel that, that this is the way that God loves us in our raggediness, in our sin, in our brokenness, in our shame. This is how God loves us. It says that God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. It was not when we were brand new out of the box, Barney. It was the sinful, I've walked away from you. I, you, don't, you, you could never receive me after what I've done type sinner. They said, that is when I loved you and you can't stop me. That is when I've come for you. That is the love of God. And because of that love, he actually brings value to us. He actually brings value to us. Like with that kind of love, that is the good news of Christmas. The generosity of God is that in his, in his eternal self, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he turned heaven and earth upside down to turn the car around to come and get you, to come and get you. That is the amazing beauty of Christmas. 1 John 3, 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we shall be called children of God, and that is what we are. Jesus, when he was born and he grew up, he and the Father, he said the Father had loved him before the creation of the world. And so when the Father sends the Son, the Son is the exact representation of the Father. And something that Jesus said that was not found in the Old Testament that described God flipped everything upside down. Do you know what he used one word to describe who God was? He said, Abba, Daddy, Abba, Daddy. That's who he called Yahweh, this holy, powerful, almighty being that we couldn't even look at without perishing. But he came down and he said, I'm here to atone for your sins, to pay the penalty for your sins. Why? So that you too can be called a child of God and say, Abba Father, Abba Father, and know that love. And maybe you're here today and said, maybe this is for some people, but I just don't know if this father love thing is for me. Well, the person who wrote 1 John and the person who wrote John 3.16 was a disciple named John. 
And he was a fisherman. So he was a rugged man. And he was also one of a reputation as one of the sons of thunder. That's what Jesus called him. Him and his brother James were called sons of thunder. Now I'm kind of imagining like a Harley Davidson and some leather if he was back then. But imagine a blue collar worker with his Harley and he's a disciple of Jesus. And as he's writing about Jesus, do you know what his self-described uh, identity is of himself? This man, he doesn't even use his name. He says that I am the one that Jesus loves. He says it three times in the gospels. He says, Peter and the one that Jesus loved was with him. He used it, he inserts himself as the one that Jesus loves. And it changed everything for this, I imagine, kind of rugged, maybe proud man. And what I would just say to you and to me is, God, would you help us that that would be the core identity for you and for me? I am the one that Jesus loved. I am Abba's child. I am a child of God. So this Christmas, I hope that you are blown away at the love of God bringing Jesus so that you can be called a child of God, that God so loved not just the world, but you, you. God so loved the world that he loved you and he gave his one only son so that if you believe in him, you may have eternal life and not perish. So here's question number three. My last question is, have you received God's love for you in Jesus? Have you received it? Have you received it? John 3, 16, again, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that if you believe in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is available to all of us because God's love is amazing and it is limitless and it is available, yet it's a gift that we need to receive. And just on this last point, just thinking about this gift that we have to receive, it's a gift that requires humility on our part to receive. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says that he who, that Jesus is called wonderful counselor. What if under the Christmas tree tomorrow, you received 10 free counseling sessions as a gift to a counselor of your choice? Would you be excited about that or would you be a little offended? It would take humility to be able to say, wow, I need a wonderful counselor in my life. Thank you so much. What if under your tree, someone said, I'm going to give you a full-time bodyguard? That seemed a little excessive, a little strange, you know, depending on your job, maybe. Maybe it's a new security system. But the almighty God is coming towards you saying, I want to be your protector. It takes humility to say, no, 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 I'm good. To say, no, I, I, I need a protector. I need, I need a savior in my life. It takes humility for us to receive the gospel. It says in 1 John 4, 9 through 10, again, it says, here is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could receive life through him. And here is what love is. It's not that we have loved God, it's that he loved us and sent his son to give his life to pay for our sins. We have to realize that there's a payment 
for our sins and that he has come to pay them for us. And when he does, our sins turn from our shame into a reason to give praise because God loves you even more. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more, right? It just increases the love of God. So my question again is, have you received the love of God for yourself? And so I just wanna, just as we're closing, I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. And as they're coming up, maybe you're here this morning and you are feeling that tap on the shoulder from God. And he's saying, I am inviting you to receive my love and for me to take your sins. If you would believe in me, if you would surrender your life to me, if you would receive this gift, I will come and dwell with you. I will be in you. I will lead you. If that's, if that's something that you feel like God's nudging on your shoulder, I just want to give you a chance to say yes in the moment to that. And if you're here this morning and you're coming into this Christmas weary, maybe you're coming into Christmas limping, maybe there's areas in work or family life that you just feel like, God, I need your love. (laughs) I need your love to fill me up. Then I want to pray also that we would be filled with your love. So before we do that, Psalm 139 is what I want to pray over us and speak over us. Because it says in 1 John 4, two times that God is not only loving, actually God is love. In verse 8 and verse 16, it says that love is, God is love. God, the essence of who God is, is love. And so I just want to hear, I want you to hear in Psalm 139, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from you, God, to hear where can I go from your love? Where can I flee from your Love, Lord, where can I go? Up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, your love is there. We can't escape his love. You cannot stop him from loving you. So here's what I want to invite us to do. I just want us to, where we're at, just to close our eyes, if you're able. Kids, this is for you too, kids and adults. And if you feel like there's a yes, just... Lord, I need to humble myself and I want to receive you. I want to surrender my life to you. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's just surrendering your life again. Just want to invite you in a simple act of humility, just to raise your hand. Again, just every eye closed, it doesn't matter. Just to raise your hand. Just say, Father, I know you love the world, but would you show me that you love me? Would you remind me that you love me today. And then I just wanna lead us in a prayer of surrendering our life to the Lord. If you wanna pray that prayer uh, with me and invite you to do that, but even if you are a believer, let's just all pray together afresh, a surrender to the Lord. So I just invite you all to repeat after me just this simple prayer saying, Heavenly Father, Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Show me your love in a fresh way this Christmas. I surrender my life to you. 
I believe that you came for me. And you died on the cross for my sins. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, maybe for the thousandth time or for the first time, and you want to talk about more about what it looks like to have a growing relationship with Jesus, love for you to come find me afterwards. I'll be hanging out on the front of the stage. Uh, find one of our staff members, find Marshall. We'd love to talk with you more about that. But we're going to close our service with candlelight representing that Jesus, the light of the world has come. And that the love that the Father has with the Son and the Son has with the Father and the Spirit is broadening the circle by making Him known that as we light the candle of the Christ candle, that it's not just starting, it's not just stopping with us, but it spreads. And it goes from person to person to person. And that as we light the candle from person to person to person, and as we sing, may it just stir our hearts again that the love of Christ would swell and grow in our city, in our families, in our neighborhoods. Amen? Amen. So if you have a candle, can I have your candle? So if you have a candle, take your candle and in order to prevent the wax from spilling out, the AC is really going here. Here we go. Oh, oh. You got it. No, okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Everyone, go ahead and stand up. I'm gonna give it to Marshall. Yeah. And the worship team is going to lead us. And as the candles come in, this invi- as, you're, as you are sharing the candle, if you don't have your candle lit, bend down, showing humility to Christ as the light. And that'll also help the wax from not spilling out. Bend down and then lift it up. And then as it comes to you, bow your candle to the light. So Jesus, we love you. God, we pray that as the, as the light of the world is come that we would celebrate you, God, with full hearts. God, that you love us, that you gave your son for us. Amen.